This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Guess who's back? Yes, it's goal! And what a crucial goal it could be from a man who'd never scored for the club before. Bakary Sanya's first Arsenal goal. And what an occasion on which to score it. Now, Bakary Sanya is with us. And back, that took me about three hours to find a goal <laughs> from you earlier today. I Bak- thought you were going to say you mixed it. You added M&M <laughs> I did not into the mix, did you? That's producer Roger does that. But back, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you it for having me. It did take me ages to find that. That was a header against Chelsea. Do you remember that goal? I remember perfectly. It was my first goal uh, for the club. A really important one because we were we were on the top of the league and we were facing a, a direct opponent for, for the title and I remember trying to, to put my uh, my opponent to sleep walking yeah. and yeah. starting suddenly and, and it worked so yeah, it was just perfect. Uh, I think it was a Fabregas corner kick it was. from the left hand side little run at the near post and as Andy Gray who's the commentator says it's a lovely little deft header just because you're, you're in front of the front, front post so to get the angle on it, you wouldn't associate Bakary Sanya with headers. <laughs> the, the likes of Thierry Henry would be pretty chuffed with. It's incredible. Well, I, was, I was quite good with uh, with headers. Uh, of course, Arsenal discovered that later because <laughs> the, the, the goalkeeper used to kick the ball on, on myself. But I just wanted to flick it due to my position quite forward and not put too many too many too many power. I just had to flick it, and, and I think I surprised everyone. By you started. did, yeah. You absolutely did. You are now a Dubai resident. Correct me if I'm wrong. Back I am. I am. Uh, how are you finding it? I think it's been nearly a year since you've been resident in the country, and um, we're, we're very grateful to have you on the show. We're very excited to have you as a regular going forward. Uh, how have you found your your first sort of 12 months in Dubai? Well, I love it. I love it. I loved Dubai since the first time I came in 2009 and I knew I was going to live here one day and I just had to be patient. I used to say to my friend, I have to be to be moving here. I have to be a resident because this is to me the perfect place. It's a very safe place and people are, have some kind of freedom that the world don't expect only when they come here. And mm. uh, I love it. And waking up with the sun is a big change compared to Manchester. <laughs> also. Yeah, it is. To be clear, though, for our listeners tuning in this evening back. Your career is done. You've got no kind of interest of putting the boots on. You're smiling at me right now. <laughs> hey, you triumphant. Were you not in the Expo 2020 I was, football? Yes, I, was. Star, football. Yeah. I was commentating All on that star. game and Chris was, of course, hosting it. Yeah, you were. You were, and you were very good that night as well, if memory serves, but no interest to become back in the game, to get back into it? Um, no, I think it's the right time for me to, to hang on the boots. I had other projects and I was focused on different tasks. I will be talking about it later, but yeah. um, I finished in MLS. I was in, in Montreal for three years, one year and a half as a player, and uh, I didn't expect to to stop football the way I did, but it's football and it's part of life, and I learned a lot about, about football itself and about myself, and I just had to think about something else. And Montreal, uh, where you were, Montreal Impact in MLS, you were up in Canada. The standard of MLS, Bakary, because, and I know, listen, we're going to get to Arsenal, we'll get to City, we'll mm-hmm. get to your career. Gareth Bale has just recently, he's making the headlines, he's made the move over to join Los Angeles FC. He's joining up with Carlos Vela, I know Giorgio Chiellini, uh, the Juventus in Italy legend. He's also 
also made the move over there. MLS the standard. What is it like? Were you impressed with it? Yeah, I was impressed. I never expected so many good and talented players. You have many South American players. Um, they have everything, the technique, the speed, the ability to play, and even American youth, youth are developing very well. They focus on academies like uh, y- IMG yeah. in, uh, in Florida, and uh, you can see many of them joining Europe now. You had some joining uh, Red Bull, you had some joining as Roma, you had Pulisic, who is, for me, the perfect example and the best youth player. He's not so youth anymore, but he's come from player yeah yeah so it's emerging and of course it's catching up with uh, with Europe and now you can see their national team qualify qualify qualifying for for the World Cup and you can even see Canada qualifying <laughs> for the first time for the World Cup so it's evolving I wonder is the MLS ever going to get to a point where with respect to I think you know the likes of Gareth Bale it wouldn't be a move he would have made five years ago for example it's off Often when you've had a career that's reached a certain profile, it's your last sort of port of call, if you like, in your career. Would they ever, do you think, Bakary, be able to tempt someone in their prime who was 27, 28? As long as they're going to keep their rules because it's quite closed. Yeah. Um, it's very controlled. It's difficult for any player to move at an early age because you have so many rules. You only have three DP players, designated players, which allow them having like kind of same condition as Europe uh, but apart from that you know it's very difficult I talk about myself I used to play for Montreal I was in Canada and sometimes we used to play and be surrounded by players just coming out from, from the academy and from, from school also so it was quite difficult of course I, le- I loved it because not to say I was on the decline but it was a different world I had, it was a different I had, atmosphere maybe yes it was less totally pressure. different less pressure more freedom and this is what I needed and do you get to a point now where you're fully satisfied to hang up the boots there's no kind of pining or kind of regret because I would imagine there is some degree of liberation as well that you've dedicate, dedicated your whole life to football and actually now you can focus on other things in your life and you're sort of free, you're freed from that sort of conveyor belt of always training being under pressure thinking about the next match well it's a, it's a good question because I think I'm still fit to play at a high level um, I had a choice to make because I stopped on a, on a text message I was here in Dubai on holiday 2019 and the way I flew back to London before flying back to Montreal where I was supposed to sign a, a one year contract extension I received a text message landing saying uh, thanks for everything you've done for the club ciao from the Montreal yeah, uh, this is how I stopped football yeah because it wow. was in December 2019 uh, I had two weeks of visa left I had some offers in, in Europe but you know my kids were, were at school in Montreal and I, it was it winter also minus 20 degrees and it was not easy to make a move so at some point I thought about my kids stability and I had to make a choice there'll be a did. lot of people back who have followed your career that will know that your manager at Montreal Impact at that time was who? Thierry Henry. <laughs> yeah, he became he became manager October or November 2019. So I, I got even surprised because I didn't have any news from from anyone while I was here in Dubai for one for for two weeks. Three weeks. Thierry, Thierry didn't call you. No nothing, nothing. No message. No calls. Nothing. So your career at a football club that your former teammate managed ended 
with a text message, not from Thierry, but from who? The owner? From the sport director, the new sport director, basically. We changed sport director maybe in September. He came for three months, didn't know anything about the club, <laughs> didn't even see my season. I finished the season with 31 games and different off-season and play of the season for the club. I was the only one who played uh, <laughs> the last 10 games when we used to play every three days. So I was fit. I was super fit, actually. And I'm still fit. And you're still fit, yeah, I was going to say. So did that make it harder for you to kind of um, get closure, if you like, on, on your retirement, so to speak? Because obviously um, you're now putting your, your children first and mm -hmm. thinking about their welfare and their stability, as you said, at school. Did that make the decision much more straightforward? Or were you thinking that's not a great way to kind of bring the curtain down on an amazing playing career well to be fair I was thinking look give yourself six months and maybe try to, to go somewhere in summer but COVID hit yeah. in February or March right. so no football everything was so complicated I was stuck in Canada due to my visa I couldn't travel for nearly a year and a half <laughs> so I had a lot of spare time and I had to think about doing something else And I think there's a few clubs in the Adnock Pro League <laughs> that would be very interested in your <laughs> services quite frankly <laughs> I've commented on that league. Some of their right backs. To be clear, though, on that, because there'll be a lot of people listening to that thinking, well, that's a bit odd. He's played of the season, 31 games. Your good friend Thierry Henry comes in. Done. You and Thierry, have you made up? Have you kissed and made up? I never met him again. I never saw him. I, never, I didn't even call, you know, because he was my ex-teammate. So I don't need to speak about him because he's still someone I respect because he was one of my idols when I when I was growing up. I Absolutely. was following them during the World Cup to 1998 and I had the great pleasure playing with him in the national team also for three years and also Arsenal. So. Oh, so I was going to say that. We've had a question <laughs> in, a real good question. Fad, cheeky question this, Barkley. Mm -hmm. I've got to ask you it. Are you an Arsenal fan or a Man City fan? <laughs> <laughs> my heart is split in two today um, Arsenal because it was the first club I discovered coming to England I think Arsenal made me as a player and developed a lot uh, I enjoyed being with Arsene Wenger and the guys because we are really friends when I first joined it was like a French club it was yeah. because you had three quarters of the team speaking French that didn't help me learning English but can I ask actually I've, again forgive me maybe Arsene spoke about this in his mm -hmm. book what was the language that you spoke in the dressing room was it English or French uh, mainly English Good. if you had English players around around us by respect we used to speak English that's but good. if we're only French players <laughs> you of know, course. Yeah. it's almost a language so <laughs> I love that but, <laughs> but I, I also love Man City because they welcome me and my family like like I've always been part of the club and it's a really really good club very structured club and I liked it so when they play now in the Premier League mm -hmm. uh, do you are you on the neutral side or <laughs> are you secretly cheering for one or the other um, it's a happy day for me anyway because okay. one of the team I support would be winning but I pray it's a, it's a nice game. I, I like open games yeah. where it goes from one goal to another. And I think both of the teams play perfect football and enjoyable football. So I enjoy watching them. Bakri, how good was Sergio Aguero? Well, it was it was different, you know. He, it seems he didn't have any interest in, in playing or getting involved in the setup. But then, as soon as he had the ball, he was it was different. Naturally gifted. Um, I still think he, he could have been even better if he worked really harder 
But you know, in front of the goal, he was just clinical and lethal, having someone like him. Excuse me. He was lethal, wasn't he? In front. Oh, of the goal. it was a joke. And it was he was very small, but he, if you remember, he scored quite a few goals with the header. So yeah, he did. Always right in the right momentum of the game. Always pulling out something like we didn't expect big backside didn't he had big legs he was yeah. a Scott he was a, he was a strong like he was diminutive but my goodness I always thought with Aguero he, he wasn't easy centre half didn't look at Aguero and think we've got an easy day because physically exactly, he yeah. could match it couldn't he well he has a low centre of gravity so for him to dribble past defenders is I don't want to say it's easier but he was quite powerful and the way he protected the ball where he always kept the ball away from defenders and to get the ball out of him it was was difficult. Zayed's been in touch. Bakri Sanya, delighted that you're here in the United Arab Emirates. Is Zayed, massive Arsenal fan. He wants to know who were your three closest friends during your time at the Emirates Stadium? Who were your buddies? Um, Kieran Gibbs, because I took him like like a little brother, you know, when he first came, he was so respectful and he was very listening to advices and generally nice a nice kid you know and it was nice because you know you have a, a change in the generations it's not like before and to have someone like him ready to to listen to advices just for for him to get better is really it's really nice then i was really close from samir nasri obviously samir, yeah. <laughs> i knew samir from national team <laughs> i played against him i played with him and when he first joined it was he stayed in my house for for two or three nights Did because he? it was a Emirates Cup, and uh, we always had a great, a great, um, a quiet night with Samir staying at your house. Or still, 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 uh, still in touch with him. That was his birthday recently, and I'm always in touch with him, and he never changed. Always the same, Samir, and naturally gifted also, what amazing player. Yeah. And the last one was Juan Juro, Olga Klichy. Mm. I knew I knew Gael from uh, from the under twenty one national team, French national team. Yeah. So it was easy for me to get into Arsenal. He opened my my life also in Arsenal, and he was here for me when I lost my brother too. So I still have this in mind. And uh, and Johan Giroud because same, he's a joker. So <laughs> Johan Giroud, of course, Swiss, wasn't he? Johan Giroud. Yes. I remember he had a horrible day at Old Trafford. We'll maybe get to that before <laughs> eight o'clock as well, Bakri. But so many messages coming in. Robbie, I, I jump into. I it. just want to jump in with a question about Arsene Wenger because we we kind of wish he'd go back into management and stop trying to change <laughs> yeah. football rules. What do you back when when you read that Wenger wants a World Cup every two years, or he wants to have kick-ins instead of throw-ins, or some? other rule in his position working with FIFA that you know he seems to be someone who likes evolution and, and of course that was one of the hallmarks of his management style uh, but um, is he being a little bit too let's say uh, experimental perhaps with his suggestions <laughs> do you think? No I just want to say he's a, he's a visionary uh, I think English football changed because of him uh, when he first came it was not easy because you know you had Roots and you had rules that was difficult to change, like having a beer in the dressing room, and he changed all of that. The, the players start being disciplined. It was not easy for for the first six months, and then he had a real impact on on Arsenal, but on the whole football uh, in England. And uh, of course, having a World Cup every two years is difficult now because you have so many competitions. Too many. Uh, players will get tired. I don't really agree with that one. But for the rest, I want more engagement and having swings, getting on with a with a fit will be will be nice. You could uh, maybe enjoy the time to just put the ball down and put more rhythm 
and uh, and yeah, why not changing football a bit? From a playing point of view, because um, we, Chris and I, would have no clue about <laughs> this, but from your point of view, a Winter World Cup, we could speculate as to fitness levels. We often say that players are fatigued when there's a Summer World Cup mm-hmm. because they've come to the end of a long season and then they go straight into international football. Are we likely to see different types of energy levels or, or is this World Cup in the, the time frame that it's going to produce anything that we might not necessarily expect, do you think, from a player's perspective? Mm, I'm excited for the World Cup, of course, and the World Cup will be in the region, so it will attract a lot of people. I'm happy for the kids here because they will discover what football means, really, mm. by seeing the vibe it creates. Um, having the World Cup in winter, maybe why not? Of course, we will find out after the World Cup, but I think it's a, it's a different uh, different objective for the players. They will still be fit compared when, to, to other World Cups. When you're at the high fitness level, are you fresher earlier on in the season or are you at such a fitness level that you're able to maintain your, your, your physical capabilities throughout the entire duration of a season? Yeah, we can expect a lot more engagement because uh, the players are, are more fresh, you know. Um, they will only be playing the season for two, three months and then stop the, the, the season to, to go back with the national team. So, yes, I think the player will, will like it. Physically, they will like it better because, you know, you have now 50, 55, 60 games a season. And when you finish the season, you knock it. And when you have to go national team and get another pr- little pre-season before starting yeah. competition, it's not always easy. So now we we can expect something maybe uh, a bit different, maybe more engagement, more speed. Uh, and yeah, I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to it. As a proud Frenchman, Bakary, are you quietly confident that France will defend their world title? I strongly believe they have a chance to to win back to back the World Cup because of the last year they they had it was not a disaster but a disappointment for them they maybe came on the on the back foot maybe they were overconfident but football is football you know everyone is fighting for the same target and it was a good lesson for them I was happy to see them fail because now they know what to expect in the next World Cup we've seen a lot uh, written and said about Gareth Southgate England's manager they, they had an iffy end of season they didn't win in four games they lost to Hungary twice they drew with Germany they drew with Italy I look at France's results in the UEFA Nations League mm-hmm. not convincing at all I watched them against Austria wasn't impressed are you worried by that so close to a World Cup or do you put that down to end of season fatigue Mm, I'm not worried at all because I'm not sure the player care about the National League <laughs> that's to be fair. honest that's a good point that's a very good point <laughs> that's fair it's another competition created I don't know why but they rather stay fit with their own club and they know they're going to have many games and like real competition to me National League is it's a money maker it's not it's worked has it yeah. it's just not worked the, the fans haven't bought into it the players haven't bought into it so I think they need What's to go back point? to the drawing board yeah it's I just so strange yeah uh, let me ask you this question back as a player in the midst of it when you played the game mm-hmm. did you pay attention to what your club were doing in the transfer market yes of course you did of course because <laughs> they were building the, the team they around us fullback. <laughs> <laughs> also also yeah. I was aware of it <laughs> no but you, you have to pay attention because when you're part of the club and the team it's like a family and you don't want to have anyone in your family ok let me ask you this question mm-hmm. can you remember cast your mind back who's the best player who's the player that your club whether it's Auxerre whether it's Arsenal mm-hmm. City Benevento Montreal Impact who's the player that you came in and you thought 
wow, he's pretty special. Santi Cazorla. Santi Cazorla. He is, he is oh. special. He's playing right, left. Uh, he never loses the ball. Always respect the game. Always make the other players around him shine. And it's a big quality because when you have such a big ability for him to play and to play easily and technically to be better than other, you are tempted sometimes to, to add a bit more. But yeah. he never did it. He, his career was, was actually quite badly affected by injury, wasn't injuries, wasn't it? Injuries to his knees, yeah. That was... I think he had a, 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 a surgery on his Achilles. Achilles as well, yeah. And then he got infection during uh, during the, the surgery and that kept him away for two years. He was even thinking about stopping football, but thanks God he didn't because I had the chance to, to look at him when he went back to, to Villarreal. Oh, After yeah. that, he went back to the national team at 34 years old and, and now he's shining with, uh, with Al Sadd. So. Yeah, he's over in Qatar. Yeah. That's right, he was over there with Javi. Right, uh, yeah. Let's talk about transfers this summer. And I want to focus on two of your former clubs, Man City and Erling Haaland mm-hmm. back. I think, and Robbie will tell you, I've been buying the drum about this young man for a while. Molde to Red Bull Salzburg to Dortmund to City. He's a monster. Does he excite you? I'm very pleased to see him uh, sign for the club. I know he, since Adebayo, you didn't have any tall, physical and technical players. So I think it will bring something different to the club. Maybe some crosses because they don't cross yeah, much. Don't. <laughs> it was difficult for, for, for City whenever the teams they were facing were staying at the back to find a solution. They always did, but sometimes it was difficult and they were getting caught on counter-attack and losing stupid points. Yeah. But now it's different because he's, he's very technical, he's fast and It's very. He, he will bring something different from what we had until now with Agüero. Not to lack respect of Agüero, of course, but it's it's just different. You know, he's bringing mm. really he's something different, a new dimension. His um, presence in the team, because City have developed this style where they didn't really have a recognised striker. Certainly last season, after Agüero left, they were playing with this sort of fluid attacking. If it wasn't a trio, it would have even been a quartet. Mm-hmm. Where And that would actually create a bit of confusion among the opposition as to who was coming at them. It wasn't a focal point in attack. Exactly, yeah. Will Pep, do you think, adapt or will Haaland have to adapt his own game to the way Pep kind of sees football? <laughs> This is the thing with Pep. You always adapt to his demand if you don't you're on the bench so I think Alan will be will be clever enough to to listen to Pep's advices and you had it all who who had problems previously with with Pep probably because they were not on the same page so Alan is very smart Uh, obviously maybe sometimes a player will try to adapt to Alan on the pitch because when you're on the pitch he's a decision maker but I think Pep will will give him a guidance to follow to fit into the team and uh, and it's good for City because if you think about the, the Champions League final they lost against Chelsea where they didn't have any striker having a striker that day would have made a difference mm. and they play with no number nine and you could clearly see it would have been very difficult for, mm. for them to score and I'm sure if they had a number nine that day they, they would have scored and maybe be being champion winning Champions League uh, mm. I've had the pleasure back of, of meeting Pep and interviewing Pep on a couple of occasions uh, I've said it before on the show and I'll say it again he's a bit of an odd chap he, he's a bit <laughs> he's a bit kooky he's a bit he out there <laughs> you've played under him is he easily the best coach that you've played under? by far by far by far why by do far. you say oh, by wow. far? 
everything is minutious everything is pre precision you know on and off the pitch we used to to take the weight every day uh, regarding the diet it was on everything on the grill no bread no no butter no everything was so well organized at the club and today you have 50 stuff it's mental this is why we had maybe one physio had only three players to look after uh, we had two doctors we had two nutritionists Everything was so well organized and that we just had to focus on the pitch and even regarding his instruction before the game he analyzed perfectly the team we will be facing and he will target the weakness of the team and he will for example tell me before games you have to sit behind the winger but not too high because it's going to be too close from the left back so you have to be receiving the ball attacking cross and you know and it's remember it's precision and if you don't do it you will have his words in your head for, for 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 the first half like I did and the game after I was on the bench for, for two games because he was probably not happy about my position on the pitch and I think I had a I had a great impact on, on the game also but you know he was not fully happy so Mikel Silvestre told us that uh, he was surprised when moving uh, to Arsenal that they or Wenger himself didn't focus too much on what the opponents were mm -hmm. doing opposition tactics it was all about Arsenal. You, we're Arsenal we, we will control the ball we will control the game and I think you could see uh, during the, some of the struggles that Arsenal had that sometimes they just tactically didn't get their own approach right to mm -hmm. certain opponents particularly someone like Ch a team like Chelsea stands out okay. they didn't often maybe adapt to yeah. Chelsea in the best way that they could is that something that you were aware of back? Mm, yes, I think he's right. Um, and I think that that's what was missing just for us to step up a bit more and maybe be champion and win decisive game. Um, Arsene Wenger has so much respect for the players. He had so much hope and, and confidence into, into the players that we were like kind of free. It's like if we were playing together in the garden. We would just enjoy playing football. We could move anywhere on the pitch. You wouldn't get upset. But on that point though, back, it, it, you guys, because you're an intelligent man, mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got players that are aware mm, we, we, we weren't maybe sufficiently prepared for that. Could you knock on Arson's door and say, Arson, we, we felt a bit ill-prepared for that match. Could, can we start maybe looking at the opposition a bit more or is just that not the way that it's done? I think we should have done it. <laughs> but we liked, we clearly liked. <laughs> we should have done it sometimes, for example, when before, not, not necessarily in Premier League, but whenever we faced uh, teams like Barcelona, yeah. we mm. needed a plan and we just didn't have plan because we knew they were good, we knew they could kill the ball, we knew they would put pressure but as a team, we will stick to the Arsenal way and we will still try to get out from the back. And sometimes it was just not possible. We needed a, a B plan, but we didn't have that B plan. And then you but looked up you and you had Nicholas Bentner and thought, oh, that's our plan B. <laughs> and finished Nicholas had actually score at the camp now, did he not? I hate to bring this up back, but were you in the side that um, Lionel Messi scored four goals I was. in the same game? I was. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I hate to do yeah, that. Just had the chance. Uh, talk us through when you witness a performance like that. I mean, for me, when I think back to the great Lionel Messi performances, mm -hmm. that one always pops yeah. up because I remember the goals even. There was a chip. There was one where he dribbled around about 
about three players. I hope you weren't one of them. And then he shot. He the keeper. I mean, it was just it was just a Lionel Messi. It was like PlayStation. It was like watching PlayStation. It was beautiful to watching. You almost kind of like spellbound when you're even even against him, where you're thinking, please don't let him have the ball anywhere near me. Well, sometimes when you have such great performance, you have to clap. Of course, as a player, it's never nice because you don't take it as a human being. You have some pride. We still try to play with pride, but this is what I was saying. You know, we always try to play out from the back and maybe we should have played differently that day mm-hmm. because they put pressure quite high. They, as soon as they lose the ball, they put pressure for the first five seconds. They clearly had a plan. We didn't. And maybe if we played directly on, on Ruby and Percy that day, just for the team to come out of the of the comfort zone and maybe put pressure on their side rather trying to keep the ball on our side maybe it could have been different you know were Barca the first team to press like that it was it was honestly it was it was insane as soon as they lost the ball they were on us no no we had no options it was totally different from the Premier League and and I think sometimes even we panicked we panicked because on the pitch it's, it's a shock honestly it was a shock and when you faced him, play and players like uh, like Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, they never lose the ball. You, you can put pressure on them; they never lose the ball. Yeah, this is the thing. Is it talk to us as a professional player back? A Pep Guardiola comes in. You guys are, are professional athletes. You're all paid well. You play for your national football teams, and you have a manager who wants you to work like a dog to win the ball back. He's asking you to do things that, in all honesty. Certainly in today's world, a lot of footballers would be like, I'm not doing that. Certainly I'm looking at Man United players, they would think, I'm not Mm -hmm. doing that. He's asking you to do that. How difficult was it to convince you guys, okay, the transition, in uh, when we lose the ball, we press. Was it a difficult sell from Pep? Or did you buy into it very quickly? It wasn't difficult at all because he just showed us images from the previous season and say, look, this is your reaction when you lose the ball. And that was the burn reaction. And I remember one of the first meetings he made was about, you know, the, the behavior of the player whenever we qualify for Champions League uh, playoffs. We played last game at, uh, at Swansea, I think. It yes. was quite a tough game. And at the end of the game, when the referee blows the whistle, obviously, personally, I was disappointed because I wanted to qualify directly for, for, for the Champions League. But we had to go to the playoff uh, on the previous season. But he put stop on the image and he showed that uh, I think Kevin De Bruyne uh, lifting the arms like if he was happy, but he was the only one that day to do that. And then he looked at us and started saying, look guys, why are you so down? Why don't why are you not happy? You just qualify for, for playoffs, for Champions League. It's something big. You were under pressure and the only one celebrating is Kevin De Bruyne. At the 90th minute, he's pressing still. Look at his behavior. And he was right, 100%. And he just says, this is what I want from the team. I don't want to see anyone the head down. Every game is different. Every game is important. So you need to adapt that behavior today. And I was, <laughs> I was impressed because I was thinking, how, why is he happy with the first place? You know? But he was. He was and he gave us the passion for any game, for any competition. And every single game was so important. And he used to prepare... Uh, a league game like he would prepare the Champions League final the same way and and even during training session 
it was only one hour, one hour fifteen, but it was very intense and very directed and well organised. You know, Pep Guardiola, he is quite simply Jurgen Klopp. Maybe pushes him close, but he is the best manager in world football right now, no doubt about it. Bakary Sanya, loads of questions still coming <laughs> in. Going to get to them. Stay with us. We are the UAE's number one talk radio station, and you're listening to the best of Dubai I 103.8 at the weekend. Again, guys, it's Chris from Offscript. You're listening to Dubai 103.8. You're listening to the best bits of Offscript this past week. And we're joined by the former Arsenal, the former Man City, the former France fullback, Bakary Sagna. He's not going to be a stranger. He's going to be a semi-regular on this show moving forward. You are off on your holidays next week, though, back, yes? Mm-hmm. And then you're off till the end of August. And then when you're back, you're going to be popping in at various junctures to keep us, uh, well, essentially keep us entertained, as you have done all evening long. I do want to quickly get to a question because we have had a lot of messages thank you so much to everyone who's um, written in and asked back some questions probably we'll have to save a few of these for the next time you're in but uh, <laughs> there was a question from Abdu who's a massive massive Arsenal fan and he did ask in your eyes back what do Arsenal need most to get back to their glory days other than a billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> of spending money and Mikel Arteta I mean I think we can all appreciate he's making mm-hmm. some Rides, and uh, there was progress for sure in, in the way the team is evolving and he made some quite difficult decisions with Aubameyang and, and the future of those kind of players to, to mould the team in his direction but when you look at City and Liverpool there's a big gap so is there any way you see Arsenal able to close that this season? We need to be patient with the club because Arsene Wenger left and obviously when he left he, he left the big gap he was controlling the whole club not only on the pitch but even what was happening inside the club and during the board. And so when it's such a big, big person leaves the club, he leaves a big gap and you need to fill this gap. And obviously it took many years for, for United. Is they still not doing it after after Sir Alec Ferguson left? Uh, it took many years for, for PSG to do it, for, for Chelsea. And obviously for Arsenal, they're on the right way to, to come back to the best with Mikel. And some credit to him because he took the team in a bad shape. He had a harsh time, but he managed to to keep uh, the team mobilized. He managed to to take uh, some great decisions by uh, letting Aubameyang go because he probably thought that for the team it was not the right thing to have him around. But I think they're on the right way. Just be patient two or more three years, not next year because it's, it's too yeah. too early. You know, he's still build building up the the team, and and I'm sure in maybe two or three years if they manage to keep the players like Saka and. Martinelli and and adding some pieces. Jesus is a good signing for them, you think? I think he's good. Um, I've been playing with him, so he's a good player for sure, yes. But I would have got maybe someone like Olivier Giroud. Style? Style, yeah. Because you need someone strong. You need someone who can maybe be that presence in a in a box maybe someone you can you can play with when when you're having trouble at the back and and give the ball and where you can hold the ball mm-hmm. not that Jesus can cannot do it but you know the Premier, the Premier League is so difficult and I, I, I'm afraid and I'm scared Jesus might be sometimes alone and have no support this right. is my only fear but of course he's a great player it's an amazing signing for the club and hopefully we'll have a good spell at the club I'm conscious of time back I'm going to ask you one final question before we bid you adieu you're going to be back with us over the coming months no doubt about it I've got to 
ask for all of our Irish listeners. <laughs> 2009, was it a handball, Thierry <laughs> It was, it was. Did you feel sorry for the Irish? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at the minute it happened okay. because... I was far and I didn't see it happening on the pitch. But later you did see it and thought, oh. I felt sorry, yeah. yeah. Of course, you cannot, you cannot but not feel sorry for Even this. Thierry has come yeah. clean, Well, he? he has. The Irish got their own back because, and we'll talk about this the next time you join us, a year later, 0-0 with Uruguay, 2-0 Mexico, 2-0 South Africa, 2-1 South Africa. But we'll talk about that on another <laughs> show. Bakary Sagna, what an absolute pleasure Thank to you. have you in our midst. Uh, best of luck on the summer holidays and we'll catch up with you again in September. Thank you so much. Awesome. Cheers, Bakary Sagna, Thank you. former Arsenal, former City, former France fullback. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.